Thank you for joining us with these podcasts. They are designed to challenge us in the Christian faith. We hope that they do that for you. And we also hope that sometime you will join us at First Christian Church in Malvern. May God bless you. cover a section that is not covered the the author there's a couple of things here where the author skips we're going to hit these areas that he had had skipped and one of them is is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and uh, in chapter 7 verse 25 and it goes and, and follows on there. It, there he was dealing with, with marriage and divorce. And then he hits an area here in verse 25. And let me read it. I'll be reading out of the New American Standard Version. Um, the NLT has a good translation on that first verse. Uh, We're on chapter uh, 7 in 1 Corinthians, verse 25. He says, Now concerning virgins, I have no command of the Lord But I give an opinion as one who, by the mercy of the Lord, is trustworthy. I think then that it is good in view of the present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you should marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin should marry, she has not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I am trying to spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those who weep as though They did not weep, and those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, and those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use the world as though they did not um, make full use of it, for the form of this world is passing away. Okay, I'm going to stop right there. We'll pick it up. I want to go back and define He says, now concerning virgins. Now, that's an odd way to put it. I remember in school when I studied 1 Corinthians, and I was trying to define, well, what were virgins? Uh, What an odd way to put something. What was Paul talking about there what was a virgin take a wild guess that they didn't have sex relations yeah it was someone who was never married that's what a virgin was plain and simple but they used that term virgin as opposed to someone who was married and their spouse died. They were not considered virgins. They were considered widows, widowers. But the person who had never married was considered a virgin. And I got to thinking about that in our society, and I thought, ooh, I'm not sure we could use that term as for those who have never married because premarital sex is so great among 
the culture of young people now. But in Paul's day, the single person who never married was a virgin. So what, what he's saying here, he's saying that uh, he doesn't have a command from the Lord, but he has an opinion. And that opinion is that in this present distress, he says, it's good for a man to remain as he is. That means a virgin could be a man. A virgin could be also a woman. He says, if you're bound to a wife, do not seek to be released. Are you released from a wife? Do not seek a wife. Paul is promoting what? Celibacy. Celibacy, the single life. Paul is promoting that in here. He promotes the single life. He says, if you're bound to a wife, don't don't get a divorce. Uh, Are you released from a wife? Don't seek a wife. But if you should marry, you've not sinned. Okay, it's not a sin. He says, uh, and if a virgin should marry, she's not sinned. Yet such will have trouble in this life, and I'm trying to spare you. During Paul's time, there was a great persecution going on against Christians. And a married person had to be concerned about their family. They had to be concerned. If it was a man, he was concerned about his wife and what they would go through. And the children. And, of course, you know, we believe that Christ could return at any time. The the, uh, apostles believed that. And then he, he makes this one thing here, the statement. Verse 33, But the one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the woman who is unmarried and the virgin is concerned about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and spirit. But one who is married is concerned about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. You see, what Paul's getting at is a division of our focus. And Paul says, if you are single, you can truly focus on the Lord's work. Uh, He saw that as a great advantage. When you're married... You're trying to provide for your family. When you're single, you can focus on doing the Lord's work. Now, that is true. But also, in today's society, it's hard to make it on one income. Is it not? Really is. It's hard to make it on one income. If you're a widow, a widower, or single. Uh, But Paul is saying that either is okay, but he would rather a person uh, focus on the Lord because everything else is temporary. You stop and think, everything in this world is temporary. And sometimes we focus on getting things instead of doing things for the Lord. Uh, He goes on, he says, but if a man thinks that he is acting unbecomingly toward his virgin daughter, okay, if she should be of full age, and if it must be so, let him do what he wishes, he does not sin, Let her marry. See, a father in those days decided the daughter, who the daughter was going to marry and whether she was going to marry or not. He says, but he who stands firm in his heart, 
being under no constraint, but has authority over his own will, has decided this in his own heart to keep his own virgin daughter, he will do well. In other words, the father's taking care of the single daughter. He says, that's, that's fine. Um, so then both, he who gives his own virgin daughter in marriage does well, and he who does not give her in marriage will do better. Verse 39, a wife is bound as long as her husband lives, and if her husband is dead, she is free to marry whom she wishes only in the Lord. Now, see, there's a clause there. Paul does not want believers marrying unbelievers. Because that will cause strife in the family. He says, but in my opinion, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I also have the Spirit of God. Okay. I wanted to cover that. <clears throat> and to define what Paul meant. A virgin is a single person who's never married. Versus an unmarried, uh, a widow who's unmarried, never married again, or those who have divorced. So, got it? Makes sense? Yep, okay. Let's take a look then. Uh, with chapter 8. And uh, why is that going in and out? There it is. <laughs> chapter 8 is an interesting chapter. <clears throat> it, it's dealing with matters where you have to discern. You know, sometimes in the Bible, we understand that, that we make judgments, right? Sometimes the Bible says, don't do this. That's, that's plain, isn't it? Don't do it. Others are a little bit gray area, and you have to discern. Uh, decisions based on broad biblical principles. For example, birth control. Is that right? Is it wrong? Does the Bible say anything about taking birth control? Not really. So you have to make a decision. Or it's easy for Exodus uh, 20, 13 talks about murder. That's wrong. The Bible says that. Exodus 19, 18, love of self. 1 Timothy 5, 8 talks about caring for the family. There are things that the Bible says, and we have to make that judgment. But then there's this discretion part. Decisions that include Bible principles and the effect on other people. There are certain things that we have to discern based on Christian principles. It doesn't come out and say, don't do this. So, when that comes about, eating meat sacrificed to idols. This is the problem that they're dealing with. There was nothing in the Bible that said you couldn't eat meat that had been sacrificed to an idol. Nothing at all there. So, what do you do? Well, let's, let's take a look. Uh, Paul gives a response. Let's, let's read a little bit. In chapter 8, verse 1. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all have knowledge 
and knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. Okay, I want, I want to stop here for a minute. Paul is talking of the advantage of love, especially when you use knowledge. Have you ever met someone that was very knowledgeable, but they were very judgmental? Have you ever met anyone like that? They had a lot of knowledge, but boy, they sure could judge you, you know? And Paul is saying, you know, knowledge is okay, but it can make you arrogant. But love edifies. So love is going to be a principle that Paul is going to be using as he talks about this. He says in verse 2, if anyone supposes that he knows anything, uh, he is not yet known as he ought to know. In other words, something's missing. <laughs> you, you stand there and you think you know it all. Uh, he said, you better take your knowledge with love. He says, but if anyone loves God... He is known by him. Therefore, what's that word therefore mean? What, 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 go ahead. Listen. Listen. He says, here's the conclusion based on this concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols. We know that there's no such thing as an idol in the world. And that there is no God but one. What is Paul saying there? Yes. Hmm? Worship only God, not... Yeah, he says... No one else, nothing else. He says, just like the Old Testament did, and made fun of the wooden idols, or the idols of stone. They made fun of those, and they said, it's not living. It's not real. There is no such thing. As other gods, there is only one God. And verse 5 says, For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things, uh, and we exist for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. However, not all men have this knowledge, but some, being accustomed to the idol until now, eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Okay, let's stop there. What's Paul getting at? Can someone take? Yeah, people still are bothered because that meat has been offered to an idol. <clears throat> now, you have to understand that many times in the marketplace, uh, the, the pagan sacrifices was different than the Jewish. They would offer an animal to this pagan god. And then they would take the meat sometimes to the market. Okay? And it would have a sign. This has been offered to such and such god. Uh, some people said, there's no such thing as other gods, so I'll eat the meat. It's all right. Doesn't bother me. So... Good old steak is good old steak. <laughs> so I'll eat it. And others were saying, well, you're kind of, it's been offered to an idol. And one person would say, there is no such thing as other gods. But it's been offered to an idol, someone else would say. So <clears throat> he says, verse 8. Verse, let's go to 7. However, not all men have this knowledge, 
but some being accustomed to the idol until now eat food as if it were sacrificed to an idol, their conscience being weak is defiled. In other words, it bothers them. It bothers them. But food will not commend us to God. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. He says it doesn't matter. He says, but, okay, let me stop here for a minute. Because Paul earlier alluded to something. What does knowledge need? Love. Okay. You can be stubborn in your knowledge, but Paul said you need love. He says, but take care lest this liberty of yours somehow becomes a stumbling block to the weak, those who are bothered by it. Now verse 10 is an interesting verse, and the author does not address this to me the way he should. <clears throat> Verse 10 says, For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? Okay, I want to stop right there. Most commentaries skip that verse. And I was looking all over on that verse because the part that they skip is dining in an idol's temple. That's the part that they skip. Now, Paul is not going to address that right now. He's going to address eating meat that's offered to an idol Later, he's going to address the idea of participating in the temple of an idol. Okay? Now, <clears throat> verse 11, For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake God or Christ died. You know, you can become really stubborn with knowledge, can't we? We can. And sometimes we need to be a little sensitive. He says, and thus, by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again that I might not cause my brother to stumble. Why is Paul saying he wouldn't eat meat if it was offered to an idol? It might make his brother stumble. It might make his brother stumble. It might hurt him. It might lead him astray. Okay? Now, let's, let's take a look those who practice idolatry are guilty of idolatry. Isn't that correct? If you practice idolatry, that's one thing. The Bible says that you are not to practice idolatry. Therefore, concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know that there is no such thing as an idol in the world. And there is no God but one. We have mentioned that. He says, for even if they're so-called gods, whether in heaven or earth, and indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things, <clears throat> and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all things are all things, and we exist through him. Now, not everyone sees this in the same way you do. Imagine. They don't see it the same way. We ever get differing opinions? So, in verse 7, not all men have this knowledge, but some, the knowledge that there's only one God, but some being accustomed to the idol until now, 
eat food as if it was sacrificed to an idol. Their conscience, being weak, is defiled. <clears throat> These people had come out of a pagan society. They're, they were used to offering sacrifices to idols. being sensitive to the need of another person. Uh, I personally do not drink. And there's a number of reasons why I do not drink. One of them being, I don't want to be a stumbling block. If someone were to see me drinking, they would think it was okay, and they can't handle drink, or they can't, they think, oh, Mark Black does it, it's okay. So I, I don't do that. Uh, it's just one of the things that, but it is love for someone else that drives me. Because there's nothing in the Bible that says do not drink. It says do not get drunk. But because I'm sensitive to other people, I won't do that. There's another reason, too. Alcoholism runs in my family. And uh, I can go down through the family line and say, that one was an alcoholic, that one is an alcoholic. I don't even want to go there. I don't even want to go there. I have a family member that was um, very organized, very precise in, in anything he did. And alcoholism also runs in my family for generations couple generations and I, I remember going one day to see him for something and he had to write me a check from a club that he was treasurer of and he was so drunk he made three mistakes writing checks and he sat there and he giggled and I went home and I prayed he'll stop him from drinking I'll never touch it again he stopped for two years he stopped. And then he started again and I thought, okay, you know, what's going on here? But I, I didn't give in and, and to me it was a test. And um, he stopped again and he's not touched it and it's been over 20 years. And I will not drink for that reason. I uh, <clears throat> have had a cousin that he was a recording engineer for Johnny Cash, Connie Francis, and he lost everything because of drinking, everything. His father was an alcoholic. And uh, I remember his father calling because he had done a recording for me and his father called and said, do you know where he is? I said, well, I dropped him off near Tozy's. And, uh, oh, and that's where he was. He had spent everything already. And uh, so it, it's something that is dear to my heart, too. I was young. I was in high school, and I didn't really realize what was going on in the family because you didn't talk about those things that much, you know? Uh, food can't make you holy or unholy. Would you agree with that? Yeah. What about the dietary laws and the 
Old Testament. Turn to that in your Bibles and someone read that, please. Mark 7, 19. Mark 7, 19. Okay, would someone read that? 7, 19? Yes. Because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods. Yeah. What Jesus is getting at is it doesn't change your heart. Food doesn't. You know? So, once again, Paul is using a principle of your heart and love. And he says... But food will not commend us to God. Neither, uh, we are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor better if we do eat. In fact, all of this is temporary, isn't it? It's not eternal. Uh, so here's the broad principle. What to do when something isn't a sin, but it feels like a sin. Have you ever been a part of that? Where it's not a sin, but you felt, hmm, I feel like I sinned. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. Uh, I used to uh, play in a secular group. Oh, yeah. And we played in bars. I never drank, ever. But I played the music. And one day it dawned on me, because I wasn't feeling right about doing that. And one day it dawned on me, Mark, why are they hiring the band? Well, so people can have a fun time. What do they want them to do? Drink. Because that's where they make their money. Satan had a hand in tempting. Yeah. Right there, right there. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it hit me hard. Okay, Mark Black, you're done. You're done with secular music. I can't be a part that would of something in that situation that would promote. Now, do I ever play a love song to my wife? Yep, I do. There's a place for that. Do I ever listen to secular music? Some I turn off. Some I leave on. I love Frank Sinatra and the serious radio. <clears throat> but there are certain things that, that I enjoy. But there are other things that's promoting the wrong stuff. And so I made a decision. Uh, love is higher than knowledge. That's what Paul is trying to, to teach us about. That love is higher than knowledge. Tom? Yeah, I was going to share about the same thing. Is, uh, there's one song uh, I always get into playing, you know, by Betty Goodman, you know, Sing, Sing, Sing. But I always wondered why, why it was titled that way until I got on the internet and found out why. <laughs> <laughs> and they let, let off the enlisted out on the, of that song. That's why it's titled that way. <laughs> because back then, you couldn't publish those kind of things. Yeah. And, and it kind of reminded me of, of the lyrics of Don Quixote. I mean, some of them is that, that bad. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of songs that we listened to in the 60s and 70s 
We didn't understand the meaning at all. We had no clue. <laughs> and now I listen to him and I go, whoa. <laughs> you know, they claim the frontal lobe of the brain does not develop till you're about 25. I think mine took a little longer, but, and that deals with judgments and things like that and discerning. Um, certain things just didn't make sense back then. It was just music, you know. And if you talk to young people today, uh, they'll say, well, I like the beat. Well, I, I'm not sure that they fully understand the meaning of some of the things that they may listen to. Well, that can go with Christian music, too, because some of it is so far out there that you can't even hear the words. I know you can't. <laughs> I, I, I don't even know what they're saying, you know, because the music's so way over the top, like, you know, I was, hard rock or whatever. You I was know. listening to the, I won't say what it is, the, the new musical out, okay? And it starts off with a rap. <laughs> I said, uh, Carol, are you making any sense out of this? <laughs> I said, because I'm not catching it. <laughs> I, I know John and Andy went back and go on this if, if they were here when we were like down to Tennessee, uh, down to Benson Music when we did that recording in concert choir. And the sound engineer said one of the things he always made sure of before with any artist is that he always made sure that the lyrics are clear, yeah. that they were always clear to understand. Yeah, it is important. Love is higher than knowledge. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, we know that we all, uh, that we all have knowledge and knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. That's once again what I had said, that love is the thing that truly uh, helps. Sometimes knowledge does, but you can use knowledge in the wrong way. Uh, if anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. See, you're not, God doesn't know you by the knowledge you have. Right? God knows you if any, because you love God. That's how God, however deep that may be, however mature that may be. Sometimes I'm so impressed with little children and their love. It just touches my heart because it's so pure. Uh, Christians have a license to love. That's, that's what we're supposed to do. Everything we do should be out of love to edify. Now in verse 9 he says, but take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. We're free, but we want to hurt people by what we do. He says, for if someone sees you of knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, uh, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? I remember I was at a church one time, and I got a call from a Sunday school teacher. Sunday school teacher was crying. I said, what's the matter? said, I just feel horrible. I feel horrible. I feel horrible. I said, what? She was at a bowling alley. And in the bowling alley, you could have drinks. And she was drinking. And one of her students, little kids, came in to bowl and saw her. And she was crushed because she felt I had really let that person down. 
We talked about it. And I said, we all make mistakes in life. But do everything out of love. And I'm glad you told me. Now, how, how can we correct this? And so we, we talked about that. Love truly edifies. Uh, through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined. You know, I can stand my ground and say, I can drink. I don't have to get drunk, but I can drink. I stand my ground, but I may ruin a lot of people on my way because I've led them to a path that they can't maybe handle. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Wow. When you, Christianity is something that goes this way and it goes this way. It goes between God and I, but it goes between my brothers and sisters. How far do you go? How far should you go? If food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. You know, Paul says, knowledge-wise, it's okay to eat. He says, the one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. Oh, I must be more mature. I must be a more mature Christian because I understand this better and the other person just weak and, uh, you know, knowledge can puff up, as Paul said. Uh, no, I need to be sensitive. In Romans 14, that chapter, he deals with the very same thing that we're talking about. And uh, in verse 4 and 14, he says, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. God is the judge. I think I'll let it up to him to judge. I'll just do and live in love out of respect for other people. Judgment. Best decision based on what we know. That's what a judgment really is, right? We make a judgment, making the best decision on the knowledge we have, what we know. Discretion is measuring the impact of our decision on others. I used to I used to always say, say, what was it? My mom said, stop it. <laughs> I think it was, I think it was shoot. I used to say, oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. And I was taking a drum lesson one time and I missed it, messed it up. Oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. And there was a kid out in the waiting area, and they didn't think I said shoot. And they looked at their mom, who was there, and I walked out, and everyone's looking at me. And I thought, what? Now, I didn't say the other word, but I implied the other word. And so, even with that, I said, I have to be careful. My mom told me that, what was going on. Uh, discretion. Measuring the impact of our decision on others. It's not just about what is lawful. It's about what is loving. God didn't save us based on what was lawful or fair. I want you to stop and think about this. 
Is life fair? No. Was it fair for Jesus to die for me? No. It was merciful. It wasn't fair. He didn't he didn't do anything. He was sinless. And I always think when, when something hits me in life and I say, it's not fair, it's not fair, I think, that's Jesus. Look what happened to him. That wasn't fair. It wasn't fair that he would be beat. It wasn't fair for the whippings, for the crucifixion. But it was very much merciful and tied into love. So, God's decision to save us was based on what was loving. I mean, if I got what was fair, I would die in my sins. So that's that part of Corinthians that deals with... Now, the author completely misses this other part. And I, I want us to take a look at chapter 10 a minute. Because I looked in the other material and he skips it. Chapter 10. Now... Here's the part that I think Paul is dealing with when it comes to going to the temple. Because to go to the temple and eat the meat is to participate in the sacrifice. And so when you look at verse 7, he says, and do not be idolaters as some of them were. For it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. That's a reference to what happened uh, during the time of Moses when the people sinned against God. He says, nor let us act immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some did and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did when they were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these happened to them as an example that they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. Therefore, there's that word therefore, let's conclude Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overcome you, but is common to man. God is faithful and will not allow you to be tempted beyond that which you are able. But with temptation will provide the way of escape so that you may be able to endure. Therefore, another conclusion, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of, partake of one bread. He goes on, he talks about... Uh, Look at the nation Israel are not those who eat the sacrifices shares in the altar. What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. They're not gods. When they participate in the sacrifice, 
they're participating in a deception. They may think it's their gods, but Paul's saying it's to demons. And not to God. For I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we not stronger than he? Are we? (laughs) So I think what Paul is getting at in that section is this idea of going to the pagan temple and participating, actually participating by taking the meat at the temple and sitting there. You're participating in the idol and that idol is actually demons. You stop and think, any false religion is really to a false god which is taught by demons. Okay, I wanted to point that section out because I think Paul is addressing the part in the temple that uh, he, he addressed the meat issue. It's okay. Now, sometimes uh, the interesting thing about the pagan um, practices is many times, you know, if you were a Jew, you would, you would share with the priests the, the food and that, but in, in the pagan ones, you didn't do that unless you sat down at the temple and ate at the temple. Now, other food was given to the marketplace. I tried to find out how much money. I wanted to know, where's the money? Has that ever bothered to you when you contribute to something and you find out it's going towards a particular cause you don't believe in? Or maybe you have investments and you wonder, hmm, what am I invested in? It, it goes all over the place, doesn't it, in our culture? And we need to be sensitive. And we need to love people. Okay. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We hope that you will join us at First Christian Church of Malvern, which is located at 4046 Coral Road, Northwest in Malvern, Ohio. May God bless you and have a great day.